Sometimes I'll take something that I've been thinking about recently or reading about recently. Sometimes it's a subject I would like to learn more about, um, a question I have. Uh, sometimes it's a passage that I think would be worthwhile to study. If I'm going to study for several weeks on a passage, I might as well pick something that will do me some good. Uh, I think they all can. But, um, so uh, I'm tentatively planning to, to look at the Sermon on the Mount um, for the next little while, uh, just to take away the stress and trying to pick out my next passage. Um, and as I've read through the Sermon on the Mount different times, I've felt like, you know, if I could just live this out, I would pretty much be a perfect Christian and uh, wouldn't like anything. And I hear that John B. Martin is coming this spring to speak on kingdom piety from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Maybe this will just prepare the way for him. Um, so this morning I want to look at uh, Matthew 5, uh, verses 13 through 16. And I wasn't sure what to title my message. I, I had a few titles that I picked out and didn't really like, and then I, I Googled them to make sure that I wasn't um, associating with something I didn't want to associate with. And, and sure enough, one title I picked was like a, a, um, a dating podcast, and another title was a um, dog um, bathing service. So, you can call this Salt and Light, and my subtitle, Be Real and Shine Bright. Okay. Alright, so, um, we're going to look at just these few verses here, and hopefully that'll be easier than trying to cover all those chapters uh, that Gary tried to wade through. Um, but just a little bit of background. Uh, looking at, Jesus, at the audience of the Sermon on the Mount, um, we know that large crowds were following Jesus uh, to be healed and to hear the good news. And um, Jesus was going around to different towns preaching and healing people. And it seems like Jesus is specifically pre- uh, speaking to people who, were, who believed him and were receptive to what he had to say. Um, you know, earlier in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you. And, and then in these verses, we're looking at, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Um, and uh, just a little bit later, a few verses down, verse 20, uh, he talks about the Pharisees in the third person. Um, he says, uh, Yeah, unless, unless your righteousness surpassed that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Um, so I think he was speaking to people who believed him and were receptive to him, uh, unless perhaps he was referring to um, the Pharisees as those who have lost their savor, salt and lost their savor, or a light under a bowl. When we read these verses about salt and light, generally, um, we think, or at least I do, uh, think of modern day Christians. Um, and think of them applying to us, which I think they do, or it wouldn't be, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of purpose maybe in studying them. But these people that Jesus was speaking to, how much did they really know about Jesus uh, and his plan of salvation, how it would all unfold? Um, Jesus had just started his ministry, just called his first disciples. Um, possibly some of these people in the crowd were just there to see what all the excitement was about. 
um, just like some people uh, listen to police scanners and follow fire engines. Um, but maybe, maybe some just wanted to come see the miraculous healings, because Jesus was doing quite a bit of that, casting out demons. Um, but many of them, and maybe most of them, uh, were ones who had listened to John the Baptist preach, ones who had repented of their sins, and um, they were ready to follow Jesus. Um, some of them probably had family members who had just been healed of diseases and had been um, healed of demon possession. And uh, these were people who had, uh, as it says you know, a little bit earlier in, in Matthew, people who had been in darkness and seen a great light. And they didn't understand uh, exactly how Jesus' plan of salvation would all turn out, I'm sure. Um, Jesus and disciples did very well. Um, but, like us, and we like them, um, we've repented of our sins, and we're serious about following Jesus. And I think that's who Jesus is talking to when he says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. So let's just read these uh, familiar verses. Uh, Matthew 5, starting at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, I want to look a little bit here just at what Jesus is saying. Um, what he, what he probably means, uh, just kind of a, at face value, what is he saying and what, what, is, what do we think he means? And then, um, thirdly, look at some lessons we can pull from this, um, how we can be salt and light and, and what that might look like and what might prevent us from being um, what we should be. So, if... Um, if you're in uh, literature or reading in school, um, and you need to come up with a metaphor, uh, these would be good ones to use. Uh, it says, we are salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. Um, in this day of low-calorie, sodium-free, preservative-free food, um, we maybe don't appreciate salt quite like uh, they did back then. Um, salt was certainly less plentiful, probably more valuable back then. Um, but we can appreciate the benefit of salt in, in flavoring our food, and um, just like back then, uh, it only takes a little bit of salt to flavor a lot of food. And so Jesus is comparing us to salt, um, just pretty straightforward. And you're the light of the world. Um, the most conspicuous light of the world is the sun, but Jesus doesn't compare us to the sun. Uh, he compares us to a really small light in the middle of darkness, the city that is set on a hill, or uh, a lamp, a candle, in a dark room. Um, you know, today we just flip a switch and flood our houses with cheap uh, electric light from cheap electricity, um, at least up until last weekend we did. And, um, you know, maybe we don't quite appreciate uh, lamps like, like they did, but uh, it's the 
The concept is very simple. Um, we don't hide lights if we want to use them. Um, and, and he says we shouldn't hide ourselves, or we shouldn't um, hide maybe a better way to say it. We shouldn't hide what we have to offer um, to the world around us. So, what does Jesus mean by these comparisons? What is what's his point? What is he trying to say? And maybe to summarize it briefly, uh, is he saying you are unique in this world? You have a special job to do, um, but there are some ways you can mess it up. Um, there are ways that you can become worthless and ineffective in your role here in this world. Um, like salt losing its saltiness. Um, and I think of this as not being who we ought to be. Um, salt that we use, um, from everything I could read, cannot go bad. Um, salt doesn't really lose its saltiness. But it's possible that they had, that they mined salt that was mixed with a lot of other minerals and um, this moisture affected it. The salt could have uh, dissolved and run out. And what you have left would just be something that looks like salt but has none of the flavor, um, possibly. Or maybe Jesus was just saying an impossibility just to make a point. In either case, uh, the point is very clear. If salt isn't salty, then what good is it? Um, having the right appearance but lacking the true characteristics or qualities uh, of who we're supposed to be uh, makes us worthless. It's a simple message, I think. And, and like a, a hidden city or a, a covered lamp, uh, we can also not do what we're meant to do. Um, and this warning to, to not be a covered lamp or candle um, comes right after uh, the verses at the end of the Beatitudes about being persecuted. And I don't know if that's a coincidence or if Jesus is specifically addressing our tendency to avoid negative uh, attention. Maybe he's saying, um, when you are righteous, some people will persecute you for it, but don't retreat in fear, hiding what you've been given. Uh, there's reward for you if you are mistreated because of me, um, because you follow me, but... And also, some people will see the good things you're doing and will glorify God because of it. Um, I'm not sure if there's any connection there or not. So that's what I see is just the plain kind of the face value what these saying. And um, I don't want to read too much into uh, these comparisons that he's given. Um, that may be all there is. Okay. Um, but I think there's some things uh, that we could think about as far as uh, these two uh, pitfalls, not being real and um, not doing what we're meant to do. So, so my two main points here are we need to be real and um, we need to be bright, we need to shine uh, with what we've been given. So, of what use are Christians who are, are not following Christ, or not acting like Christ? And of what use are followers if they're not actually following? Um, we're, not, we're not doing much good if, if that's the way we are. And 
I'm not trying to suggest at all that we're a bunch of hypocrites or fakes, um, but I think, and none of us are uh, perfectly Christ-like, obviously. So I, I think um, when we see attitudes or actions in our lives that don't measure up to Christ's standard, uh, then we should take them seriously and repent and change our ways and, and with God's help, do better. Um, you know, one of my favorite verses is Matthew 10, 24. A student is not above his teacher, um, nor a servant above his master. I'm kind of joking there. But, um, you know, we, we won't ever quite attain um, to the, the level of Jesus, I don't think. Um, but that should be our goal, and we should be striving for that um, and being as real as we can be. And when we are the real salt of the earth, then all those around us benefit or uh, you know, are flavored by our life and our character. Uh, have you ever heard of somebody called like, a salt of the earth kind of person? Um, I have, and I, I think they just mean, when people use that term, they mean someone who's just good, someone who just benefits the world. The world is a better place because of them. And it's not always used for Christians necessarily. Um, hopefully it's true of, of all Christians. Um, but one way that uh, those around us can benefit is just second-hand blessings. And, and we see a couple examples of this. Uh, one, I'll just put too quickly, in Genesis 39, this is the story of Joseph. Draw that draw swords practice, I should be faster than this. Alright, Genesis 39, verse 4 and 5. Joseph found favor in the eyes, in his eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And, and there we see Joseph, um, a righteous young man, and Potiphar's entire household was blessed just by Joseph being present there and serving God in his situation. And I won't turn to this next one, but remember the story of the Israelite servant girl who was um, captured by uh, Naaman, or the king of Aram, and he was serving Naaman's wife, and Naaman had leprosy, and, and the servant girl um, told her minister that if her husband would, would go to the prophet in Samaria, he could be healed. And, and Naaman was healed, and and became a believer in God and, and worshipped God and said he wouldn't worship idols anymore um, as a result of that healing experience. So there again, there was this one small, young girl um, who was, had faith in God and those around her were blessed because of it. And, and so I think, you know, one little lesson here is that um, just like a little bit of salt can have an effect you know, one young person, um, even in this isolated, alone place like Joseph or uh, the servant girl, um, if they have real faith, they can make a difference where they're at. 
So we have this second-hand blessing that comes from people who have real faith. But the benefit can also be intercession. Um, just think through a couple other examples here. Lot, when he was in Sodom, um, he had the potential to, he and his family had the potential to preserve Sodom and save Sodom because of their righteous lives. Um, and that's what Abraham was pleading for. And now, apparently, there weren't enough of them to save Sodom. Uh, but he, he could have, if there would have been enough of them. Um, and, and Abraham himself was interceding with God for these people of Sodom. Uh, so the righteousness of Abraham was, was a, yes, in, uh, attempting to be a blessing on, on the people of Sodom. Uh, it, it didn't work out. Um, you know, ironically, uh, Lot's wife became salt of the earth uh, once she looked back, but they weren't the kind of salt that, um, that they, that she wasn't the kind of salt that she should have been, apparently. Um, so Abraham was interceding uh, on behalf of the unrighteous to give them more time and to spare them from, um, judgment. Um, and we see another example of that with Moses and the children of Israel. Um, when the children of Israel rebelled, God was ready to destroy them and make a new nation from Moses. And Moses said, uh, don't do this. Please don't do this. Think of what the Egyptians will say when they see that you delivered all these people just to take them out of the desert to kill them. And, and God listened to Moses and spared um, the people at least a lot of them. There was still a plague, I think, that killed quite a few of them. But um, judgment was averted um, or delayed uh, because of uh, Moses' intercession. And then we have in James 5, the effectual prayer and prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, so we know that some blessings just happen um, when righteous people are in darkness. Um, Sometimes it takes specific effort and intercession, uh, but there can be um, a pretty profound effect when there's a righteous person in a dark place. So, let's look a little bit at um, light now. Uh, so, the deal with salt, I think, is we need to be real. Um, genuine, have the real characteristics of Christ. And, and our effectiveness is hindered if, if we have hypocrisy and we're not who we say we are. Um, but sometimes um, our effectiveness can be hindered not by hypocrisy, but um, lack feelings of inadequacy or discouragement. And, and we don't shine like a light like the light we should be. Um, perhaps we don't feel like we can offer hope and encouragement to people uh, when we feel a little discouraged and a little hopeless ourselves. Um, perhaps we struggle to feel the gospel with someone when we don't feel like we're seeing as much of the power in our own life as we wish we would. Um, perhaps we hesitate to invite someone to our church because we're not sure what they'll think of our problems. Uh, they sort of get to know us. Um, if this describes you or me, um, does this mean that that we are 
um, salt that has lost its savor and good for nothing? Um, I hope not. But maybe, maybe if this describes us, maybe we are like a lamp under a bowl um, and not shining quite as brightly as we should. And a few, a few things here that, that maybe can help um, are three things. Uh, first, look at the light um, for encouragement. So, Jesus was the light of the world, and and we can look to Him uh, to um, brighten our own light, I guess. Um, Matthew 12, uh, 20, through 20, 20 and 21 says, A bruised reed you will not break, and a smoldering wick you will not snuff out. So He has brought justice through to victory. In his, name, in his name, the nations will put their hope. Um, Jesus came to uh, take what little he found and turn it into something better. Um, he didn't come to uh, snuff out uh, a smoldering wick or uh, break the bruised reed. Um, and he invites people to come to him uh, who are weary and burdened. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Uh, Matthew 11. Um, so there's encouragement in going back to the light and focusing on uh, the true light of the world. And a second thing perhaps we should do is look around us. And, and I'm um, speaking to myself here. Sometimes we can become so uh, focused on ourselves that we miss um, the opportunities for doing good and being a light around us. Um, you know, when at the end of this, uh, these verses here, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Um, that's what Jesus is saying. This shining is, it's, it's doing good deeds. And um, there's a lot of opportunity around us. Um, there's the disaster of a report. Um, any kind of um, like a storm. I mean, this winter storm we had. Um, there are opportunities to help people, to bless people. Um, are we looking for those opportunities, or are we too busy looking at our own needs and um, feeling sorry for ourselves uh, that we miss these chances to bless other people and let them see good works? Um, Jesus is clear later in the Sermon on the Mount that good deeds, fasting, giving, are not to be done to get praise from men. Um, but if they're done with the right motive, uh, men will praise God, and that's, that should be our motivation. So there can be good deeds done, and we can also encourage each other. Um, Hebrews 13, 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Um, so if, if we're feeling discouragement, maybe others are too, and maybe we need to take our uh, focus off ourselves a little bit and try to be an encouragement to those around us. Uh, right here in our own church, um, in our community, uh, people dealing with uh, COVID, and there's a lot of... Um, a lot of discouraged and, and needy people in our world. 
And the third thing I think we, we should, should do can do is uh, remember what we have. Um, when you think about uh, sharing the gospel with somebody or reaching out, First um, Thessalonians four thirteen uh, talks about how we are not like the ungodly who, uh, when when people die, they have no hope. Um, we do have hope uh, of eternal life and of seeing our loved ones again. And uh, if there's hope in death, then there's certainly hope in life. And, and we have this hope, and that's something we can offer to other people. And um, Ephesians 2, 17 and 18 um, talks about having access to the Father. Through Him, we both have access to the Father. By one Spirit, we have access to the light of the world. Um, and, and we can forget what a privilege that is. And we may not feel like we have it all together all the time, uh, certainly, but we know where to go for uh, help and for direction, and, and we can offer that to other people. Um, an honest, growing Christian is probably um, a brighter light than somebody who has everything figured out and doesn't have any problems. Um, I don't think I can identify with somebody like that, and I doubt any lost person uh, could either very well. Our, our brightness doesn't need to come from our own perfection, but our, our confidence in Jesus is the answer to our problems, um, as our help and our salvation and our pattern of life. And, and our confidence that He is the source of help and salvation uh, for the lost world around us, for the troubled world around us. So, uh, to wrap up here, uh, the two the two primary lessons that I take away from these verses is that we have to be real. Um, we have to have the character of Jesus and be yielded to the Holy Spirit to be effective uh, in this world. And we have to shine uh, brightly. We have to live for God, um, be looking beyond ourselves, and um, reach out to those around us. And the result of this is that. Um, Unbelievers uh, benefit just through secondhand blessing, um, and perhaps uh, God may even withhold judgment at times uh, because of, of Christians, and, and it may give um, unbelievers more time to repent. Uh, so it has a, a positive effect on society. Um, when when Christians are real, it makes the kingdom of God much, much more attractive um, to those outside the kingdom and those inside. And um, when we are right in this world, unbelievers um, can know the truth and can find direction and hope, guidance for life, salvation, and believers are encouraged when we um, are actively reaching out to those around us and uh, focus on uh, more than just ourselves. And, and in the end, when we do these good works, uh, the end result is uh, that God is praised and God receives honor. So God bless you as you try to uh, put these things into practice um, on God's cross.